Welcome to Free Indeed, a podcast for kingdom women. Join us for conversations about the practical issues we encounter in our varied walks of life. We'll cover topics from girlhood to grandmotherhood, from bearing fruit to bearing burdens, from women of old to women of tomorrow, all in the light of God's word. Welcome to episode three of the Kingdom Women podcast. We're glad to have you join us this time around. And tonight we want to talk about a topic that is, well, Sarah suggested this topic. It's a topic that she's pretty passionate about. Um, talking about relationships and community and what that means, why we need it, um, the value of it, how do we um, develop community. I, I, wonder if, I wonder if it would be helpful to start maybe by asking um, what you, when you think of, the, of community for yourself, what do you, what's your vision of community? What is community, how would you define it and what do you value? about it. Sarah, you want to start since this is kind of <laughs> your, 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 your pet topic? Sure. Uh, I mean, for me, if, if the church is going to function as a community, it's going to function like a family, right? Where we're going to be looking out for each other's needs and not just kind of in a theoretical way. I think it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm praying for this person and they're praying for me. It's much bigger than that. It's that we're in each other's lives. And that, that seems like a tall order, but I think it's, it's something that we, we should strive for, that we just live in each other's lives enough where we know each other well enough to know what we need. I don't know. This is something where I have more questions than I have answers. I looked up the definition of community in the dictionary, and it said the people of a district or county or country considered collectively, especially in the context of social values and responsibilities, society, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. I just thought that that was pretty good because it has that, that feel of, of responsibility, but also that feel of common goals. So to you, Rosanna, community is, is taking responsibility for each other's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I've been the recipient of it, so that that has all that's been a warm um, I don't know. It gives me the warm fuzzies, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just a very warm family type thing that I feel I feel um, has been helpful to me. But it hasn't always been. I haven't always felt that, so I know what it's like to be without community. But I also Aww. think it's it's a bigger. Um, it's a bigger definition than just who I who I fellowship with at church. To me, it's who I interact mm -hmm. with on an almost daily basis or a regular basis. You know, some of my community is my online friends. You know, like you all, but uh, other other uh, community people that I call my community people are my closer friends that live around here um, that might not even go to my church. We're just good friends. I'm thinking of, um, I've been, you know, as I was thinking about this topic today, I was thinking of the scripture that instructs us to bear one another's burdens and um, fulfill the law of Christ through that, through that. And, and I think community is, is doing, is literally bearing one another's burdens. Um, the daily, the daily stresses of life and the, and the things that we face, 
the difficulties and also the, the internal struggles that we have. And ideally, like you said, it happens with the people that we live with, um, that live around us. But um, sometimes when we're, when we're, yeah, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we, we receive that from people who aren't um, in close proximity to us. But ideally, ideally our church community, our church family would be providing that. And I was thinking too, like for me, I think community, um, the concept of community, there's a loyalty um, and, and like a, a, a fierce commitment to one another's well-being. Um, even, even if there are points of disagreement among us, Mm -hmm. Because if we are truly connected to people, say in our church family, which is where I, I would like my the the deepest part of my community to come from, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be fellowshipping and, and doing life with people that I don't agree with in every way, and yet, and yet I am fiercely committed, and they are fiercely committed to my well being, um, and I experienced that for the first time when I was about 25. And I was going through a really um, hard patch. And I wasn't always the most pleasant person to be around. Um, I worked for someone from my church. And they were, they had that fierce commitment to my well-being um, in spite of some of the things that I brought to the table. And that's what I've strived, yeah, that's what I strive to live with people in my life too. It's a lot like family is I mean we don't always see eye to eye or get along perfectly um, with our family members but they're family so there's no escaping them so you work things out and you learn how to love each other or you do love right. each other through that um, and it's a rare and beautiful thing if you can make that um, bring that into the church I really like the uh, King James Bible verse. It says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And, you know, when you see iron rubbing against iron, it just sometimes sparks fly, but it sharpens, they sharpen. And and I really like that um, in, in the sense of community. You know, we sometimes, you know, spark a little. <laughs> and uh, But if we rub off each other's rough spots and, and chisel each other's, into a point, you know, to um, enhance the other person's soul, you know, we'll, we'll get there. It might be a little painful sometimes. But I, I think that's one of the, the fellowship aspects of community. Do you all think that women uh, function differently in a community? Like sometimes women can be very giving and can be more of the, like, nurturing side the more caring and practical side but there's also that side where women in communities can tend towards like um you know like in school when girls have become such good friends but they're also dissing each other a lot mm -hmm. you know that can happen with women i think <laughs> well that happens in churches you know <laughs> where we Ooh. know each other too well <laughs> i i've seen i've seen churches fall apart where this actually happened to us um, before we moved to where we are, where 
Joel was like, the men were getting along more or less. They kind of had some disagreements, but the women, man, they just tore each other to pieces. And I mean, at that point, I was pretty isolated at home because I was sick. But it's like, it was the exact opposite of community, even though everyone was around each other and talking. Mm-hmm. And so it's so much more than just like we're in close proximity. It's we're we're in the same heart. Mm-hmm. We we live with each other. I think that it's it's so important that it's more than just physical proximity. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can have community with people that you've never met in person. Mm-hmm. But if if you're not in the same like heart wavelength, you're not mm-hmm. going to be getting along well, and it's going to be more destructive than it is constructive. I, I had an experience living for a year at Elmendorf in a functioning uh, Hutterite-style community. And I just want to say that in my experience, there, there, was, there was such a, just a, a flow of love and loyalty between the women. I just didn't see that kind of sides fighting or bickering. Um, there was a real love between us. And I think part of it was that... W- people, heterites are very frank. I don't know if you've been around them very much, but they're very frank. And I think it's because they're used to living in close proximity where you really can't keep airs on all the time. <laughs> and they didn't fear frankness. You could speak very frankly to them. They could speak very frankly to me. And maybe sometimes it would hurt, but it didn't change your loyalty. There was a beautiful degree of, of uh, just fellowship between the women. And I think their, their willingness to engage frankly as things came up made mm-hmm. all the difference that's the kind of people i'm attracted to people that speak their mind without a lot of hesitation you know if they allow me to speak my mind back <laughs> but yeah it's it, healthy healthy communication is one of one of the aspects that makes community good there's such a thing as talking too much and there's others as talking as not talking enough and I think we are, our culture has switched to being more isolated and independent mm-hmm. than checking in, you know, like you said, um, because there's nothing wrong with um, checking in with the sister from church. You know, I'm not really good at it. I was just thinking about that. I'm not. I have my friends, but they aren't all necessarily church friends. Not that my church isn't warm and friendly. It's just that I'm not there, you know, especially right now with COVID-19. I think I think there's so much to to have true community. There's so much. Um, there has to be so much intentionality, mm-hmm. um, personally and as a group, in um, how you're going to do this. And 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 you know earlier we we're talking about women who don't get along, um, have the opposite of community. I, I it's really easy for us to get isolated, like you're talking about, Rosanna. Mm-hmm. And then in our isolation, it's easier Pro- proximity. Proximity brings us together, um, and we live far apart. But when when we're in proximity, and I wonder if that's the strength of the um, intentional community you lived in, Gwen. You were in proximity, and yes, you could be frank, but you saw each other daily, regularly, and you you what is what is um, you know First Corinthians thirteen say? Love believes all things, bears all things hopes all things, endures all things. And you got, when you live, when you live together, it's either do that or implode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we live more, more distant and isolated from each other, it just takes so much more effort to 
to stay connected enough that we could continue to believe all good things about about each other. It's so easy for me. I'll just be real frank. It's just real easy for me when I'm haven't talked with a sister for a while and something happens to kind of not not believe the best about her, you know, um, to make a judgment about her choice or her action um, and not to believe all things good about her. And, and then we end up with a kind of, you know, situation like Sarah was describing where there's frustration and there's misunderstanding and, um, but to intentionally choose to believe the best about another mm -hmm. is going to, is going to, keep us from creating that kind of distance and sometimes I think it seems like people had to die or get a leg chopped off you know something literal to pull a community <laughs> together and it's terrible it's terrible it shouldn't be that way um it's it's when yeah it's when the drama happens that we're in each other's lives <clears throat> right I mean or it can expose the lack of it oh um, yeah because I, I know, like, that was my experience. I had two babies, I had a major surgery, and I broke both of my feet. And oh. this, is within, this is within a three-year period. And we oh. had two church splits. And people were like, whoa, you really don't have any support, do you? And I'm like, I haven't had support this entire time. <laughs> yeah. But um, one thing that was dramatic is we moved to the Midwest. And the church here is very, very small. But there is one sister in particular. And I think any of the sisters would, would feel comfortable doing this too. But there's one sister in particular who I can basically count on it that like once a month, twice a month, she comes by and she's like, Hey, here's this thing I see in your life. And I'm like, Oh, cool. There's a thing I can work on. And that to me is so much community. You know, I mean, I need that. I need someone to call me out of my stuff. And I think if there was something I saw in her life, I could very quickly turn around and go, Hey, I see this thing in your life and maybe that's a starting point where it's like, do you see things in my life that I need to be called out on? And that's really uncomfortable, but that's, starting that's point? the core of community. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, go ahead. A starting point, Sarah, I'm sorry I talked over top of you. That's like, let us hope. I, I think talking into each other's lives is vital but it can never be the starting point, can it? Right. Say more, Gwen. Does she ever come to you about anything but seeing something in your life? Oh, yeah. We talk all the time. But okay. uh, it's, <laughs> There well, you go. <laughs> we, we have this huge, we have this, like, we kind of started with, like, a friendly relationship. It helps that she knew Joel for several years before I ever met her. But we had this kind of cordial relationship. And then she was like, hey, there's this little thing I see where it was, it was something like I, I was singing too loud or something. And I was just like, and she was so sheepish to share it at first. And I was like, no, like, please tell me that kind of thing. And to me, that's the heart of community. And I told Joel, I about cried because I had wanted that for so long where someone would call me out on my stuff, <laughs> call me out on little things like that. And it can be bigger things. And that's, I don't know. I think I've been in enough church communities where that isn't done and it's like how do you foster that kind of an environment where no one's going to hesitate you have to know people you really do and that's what you said you started a relationship and it kind of spread from there oh 
I'm not sure it's actually possible to continue believing only good. I where does where does it say that at in the Bible? Which verse? I was reading First Corinthians thirteen. Well, no, I can't even find it. It's there in the middle. Love yeah, it's not self-seeking. Keeps no record of wrongs. Um, always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Is how the NIV says. Mm-hmm. The King James says, um, "Bears all things. Believeth all things." So that would be the always trusts. And and the fact is, trust does get broken in friendships. Mm-hmm. But there's there's the if when I say um, I believe the best about someone, I believe I believe all things. I believe the best. That is, if you're, if you're my sister, if we are both believers, if the spirit of Christ dwells in me and dwells in you, it doesn't mean that there's not need for sanctification and there's nothing that we can't, you know, that we're going to, that we're going to clash on and we're going to have to work things through. Um, But in the clash, in the disagreements, in the, in all of that, for me to to stay, um, to, to, re- to remain committed to you because I know that Christ dwells in you and your deepest desire is toward him, mm-hmm. then that protects, that protects our community, that protects our connection um, from harsh judgment, from condemnation that cuts, our, that cuts our relationship, that severs our relationship. So in I, that sense, it, that doesn't mean that we're ignoring what is unhealthy, what needs sanctified but we're believing that and we're calling when, when when we do believe the best about another that the spirit of christ is at work in you then we're going to call that forth instead of simply condemning the behavior that bugs us or that angers us or that irritates us mm-hmm. that's, and then that's that the end of James. true community mm-hmm. mm. uh, where you know if, if you if you see your brother error and you convert him, you bring him back. I'm paraphrasing yeah. here, but yes. you, you save his soul today. from death. And that's, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's huge. I mean, because I, I think we can kind of foster it, it, groups, c- groups of people, communities can foster a critical spirit mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they can be super casual and kind of touch base on Sundays and, Oh, how are you? I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Or they can have a real heart-to-heart community. And I think that's what James is talking about. I think this is the whole timbre of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. is It's not just we happen to get together in the same place on Sundays and believe mostly the same things. Yeah. And it's not, it's not we have all this huge rule book and we all kind of follow it, mm-hmm. at least, you know, when the right people are looking. It, it's, <laughs> but, I mean, I think that's, it's so, so vitally important that we're, we're the same in the in heart. I don't know. I keep saying that, but that's that's something I I want to see and I want to be that. And I need God's wisdom on what to do to be that. I don't think it's the size of the community no. that affects whether you love one another or like a bigger community doesn't make it better. I I don't think it, a bigger community can make it actually harder because it's easier to get lost in a community. Um, and, and especially, you know, I think, I feel for you, Sarah, with moving into a new community, having no family connections, um, that's just difficult, especially if you're moving into a, a large church community. Um, if, if it's, yeah, it's hard to, to develop, to make a space. Nobody really needs you. You kind of have to make yourself be needed. 
Um, that's hard to do. Been there, done that. It's not necessarily fun. Can be. I mean, I actually moved to a much smaller church community here. And I don't, I think that we could have five times the amount of people, but if we had the same attitude yeah. of, I mean, I think that's the advantage of meeting in homes personally, mm -hmm. because you kind of can't help but get on each other's backs because you're literally <laughs> in someone's living room or in our case, a basement. But um, I think it can be done in a huge group. Um, as long as no one assumes that the other person is taking care of it. Nice. That's one thing that kind of came to light after I had been sick for so long is people are like, wait a minute. I thought, I thought other people were helping you. And it's like, no, I had Joel. <laughs> yeah. um, and occasionally my mother. But, and yeah, it's how, how do we, how do we turn around and, and fix this? How do we, how do we help our kids not go through this? Cause I mean, I can, you know, you can kind of suck it up for so long, but I don't want to see other people go through this. It's, it's garbage sometimes. <laughs> but, um, mm -hmm. yeah, moving out here has made it easier because we do mm -hmm. kind of have that heart-to-heart -heart relationship. Even if there's not, like, maybe the number of people, mm -hmm. even if maybe I, I don't have the number of boots that could be on the ground. Um, if I need something, people are there. And... That's huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like I had to tell people if I need help. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not good at telling people I need help, and sometimes I'm pretty overwhelmed. And that's one thing that's really hard. But it's kind of like my Mennonite pride, you know. I should be able to do this stuff by myself, and I don't, and I'm not able to. <laughs> but, and that, and that's a way of not letting community in when you know because pride is a barrier pride is a barrier to vulnerability mm -hmm. and community can't happen without vulnerability mm -hmm. that's so true judy i i just think this the key things are do not be afraid of confrontation confrontation is not a bad thing if it's there to resolve and grow closer yes and Sarah, what you was saying, you were asking about how to make it different for our children. It's not going to be in buildings a different structure, I don't believe. It's going to be in modeling to them the humility to ask for help and the sensitivity to finding out what the needs are in the sisters around mm -hmm. you. And if you do that, and you're also, there's a culture in your family and with other sisters that they watch that that you talk about hard things and you love mm -hmm. each other. It's, mm -hmm. you, you, you create that culture and give it to your daughters and that's how it's perpetuated. I don't yes. know any other way to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that's one thing that I think at some point we talked about talking about chronic illness, but so I'll hold off on that hobby horse. But um, I, I've already seen that with my girls is they, they've learned to be gap fillers. And, and I, I want to, to see that fostered in, in other sisters. I mean, for me, um, I mean, I've learned to ask for help, but when there's no help to be asked, like, you, you kind of can't. Well, I was going to say, Abby, you've been awfully silent. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, are, what are your thoughts? What, how have you experienced community? What's important to you? What do you well, value? I just think so much of it just really goes back to love as a, I mean, it's that, that foundational thing. Um, 
I have people that I have a deep relationship with and I don't have to put on a pretense or I don't have to be perfect around them. And I have a purity in knowing that they still love me. Um, if, even if they see the real me or whatever. Um, and so if we can give that gift of love to one another, I think that's what real community is about. And I've heard some things about, um, you know, kind of being accountable to one another and we're only as accountable as we want to be or as mm -hmm. we make ourselves to each other. Um, even if we're living in the same house with somebody, we don't necessarily have to be accountable to them unless we are open to that. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was thinking too about how do we, I, I don't know that that works unless we happen to live in an intentional community like the Hutterites or whatever. How do we, um, how do we get that same experience? Or maybe we're not supposed to, a uh, different time and a different culture and things don't work the same way. Um, but yeah, I love the idea of that, you know, church isn't just about getting together on Sunday. They're, they're our family or they should be our family. Um, maybe not just our church, like our local body, but even globally. I feel like we've done church with Rebecca over on a different continent and, <laughs> and that's so cool, you know, but yeah, I just... I think so much of it goes back to loving and willing to be loved and yeah the whole pride thing that tends to get in the way I guess another take on it would be what if your community is great but it's not a particularly it becomes very like enmeshed so what mm -hmm. happens if your community is not it doesn't have open doors for new people to come in that you're very you know you can get to a certain point where you're very comfortable with everyone and you like your community the way it is and then maybe God brings someone new to 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 stir things up or to challenge something and it's you know it feels like it's wrong but it's actually the right thing mm -hmm. like how do we how do we you know, maybe you spent, like, I'm thinking of my community, we've known each other for more than 10 years. So we're that close, you know, we've stuck to together through church splits or whatever it is. But what if someone new comes in? How do we? And that, that's, that's meaningful, too, because I've seen churches I got enmeshed. And, it, and, and when you're, there's too few people, okay, wait a minute. When we are not challenged by new ideas and new mindsets, um, we become stuck in in our pet theology. I call it. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a hard a hard place. Like being being stuck, you have to kind of tolerate other people, and that's where new people coming in helps open you up. Sure, it goes back to being willing to be taught. Mm -hmm. and being willing to be challenged. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if we have this really closed off culture and someone comes in that's totally off the walls different, mm -hmm. we need to see what's making us uncomfortable. I mean, is it outside of the lines of scripture or is it just different? <laughs> mm -hmm. It can be intimidating. 
I guess, for someone who comes into a new place and then people mm-hmm. know each other so well and they, yes. they feel, they, they can feel very left out. And, mm-hmm. Oh, I guess, I don't think I'm the best person when it comes to welcoming new people to community. I'm shy. <laughs> well, you I've moved know around. I am. <laughs> I've been the new person often enough that um, I just kind of make it a point of, of being, of being inclusive to the new people and that takes that takes um some vulnerability and 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 even for our you know for a group to welcome someone new in who maybe does challenge some of our ways of doing things or our ways of thinking that that takes a humility for a group Mm -hmm. to be able to absorb that um but i think humility is is another i mean sure love is essential to have real community but humility is i think another key component Mm -hmm. that i that I can humble myself to look at every person um, in my community and say, what can you teach me? What can I learn from you of God and of, of, of relating to and worshiping and, and being a child of God? Um, and if I can stay in that posture of receiving, I, 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 yeah, when I, when I stay there, um, I have better connection and better community and, and I learned so much. I know something that has been, it was so striking to me moving out to where I'm at is the sisters out here kind of, they taught me this, I guess, by example, where they won't hesitate to call me out on, on things I'm doing well on things they see that they, that they like. I mean, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we have different modes of dress. We have different modes of speaking. We have exactly. And, that's huge coming into a new community to have someone just be like, you know what? Like, I like the cut of your dress or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And it seems like such a small thing, but it's not, especially coming from completely non perched background. It is so huge for someone to be like, you're doing the right thing. And don't underestimate that. It's it's enormous. Encouragement and blessing is so, so important. Mm -hmm. I, Mm -hmm. I, I've met people sometimes it's like every word out of their mouth just to tell you the truth I met one person <laughs> that was, I was just impressed that every time that person opened his mouth there was blessing in details just walking through the room it was a good word about that and a good word about that and I said wow when you live like that then you can afford to be very frank when something's off because I know that he is actually, it was yeah. one of the brothers at Elmendorf and I know that he faces things head on when he needs to, but he lives a life of blessing. It enables that flow, right? Mm-hmm. If everything's constantly critical, yes. well, you're not going to open up to somebody. You're not, you're going to hide things. Mm-hmm. But if, if someone's constantly blessing you and it's like 90% good things, then the 10% where it's, it's criticism isn't even criticism. Mm-hmm. It's just more mm-hmm. good things that you can change. Yeah. yeah, That's good. I've, I've had people tell me that sometimes, you know, a really close-knit church culture, I wouldn't mention which denomination, but, you know, it's like gossip spreads so fast that people who who maybe you barely even met know things about you or who are spreading things are not true. And it's really frustrating and it's really painful for her. So it's, I think we talked about this, but 
then I wrote about it online too, that it's something like we have to hold back from like uh, criticizing people if we're not walking on a journey with them. Yes. Kind of, yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. I moved into a community and actually um, because of that, that very thing, that very type of thing that you mentioned, Rebecca, um, and, and, and a gossip that was spoken to me regarding another sister, I, I was wary of her and I never should have been. I, 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 I realized, I mean, I mean, I missed out on a beautiful friendship for a few years because of the distrust that, 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 that receiving that gossip, I should have rejected the gossip, but I didn't. Um, and so I missed out on a beautiful friendship for a few years, uh, because, because I allowed something that undermines community to undermine my trust in someone within my community. Um, and so that's something that we do need to guard against because there is such a thing as, as telling uh, facts or our own opinions of other people um, rather than talking to that person themselves. You know, like, like Sarah was saying how she loves when someone comes and tells her, hey, this is what you could, you know, I see in you that this is good, but, but this over here, um, that's healthy. That's a healthy way to address deficiencies. But the gossip piece really undermines it. Well, shall we wrap up with um, maybe maybe we can hear from each of you about how what you do, maybe maybe one or two things that you do personally to foster community um, in your own life, to foster community for yourself or for others. Rosanna, do you want to start? Yeah, I was just thinking. I I have friends over um, Saturday night. Um, tried to make it a point to include some of my single mom, single friends, um, because it can get lonely weekends for them. So that's one thing I do. I, I, I try to be a voice or to talk about um, things that some communities don't handle too well, like domestic violence, <laughs> because there's people caught in that that have no idea where to go. And that, that has kind of given me a unique aspect of community there. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I text or message people a lot. Um, that's been, I'm not usually fit to go away a lot. But, um, that's been my way of, of keeping up with uh, community because that's, people hear my thoughts and I love hearing theirs. And so you can, you can foster community with people Mm -hmm. um, thank God for technology, right? Even yeah. if you're housebound, you can stay <laughs> yeah. in touch and connected with people. Being chronically ill can make you want to just sit in your house and stay or not have people over because it's yeah. a mess, you know, and, you know, yeah. I don't feel like cleaning if I've been working all weekend. Um, mm -hmm. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, so I go home, lay on the couch, and my dishes stack up for a day or two or three. <laughs> Gwen, how about you? What do you do to foster community, um, to build connection that's good for you and others? In the past couple of years, I feel like we've been much more on the receiving end of community than on the giving. Um, our, our church is actually two hours away from us. And, and some of them have done a really amazing, amazing job of being sensitive to physical and material needs certainly of ministering in a in a spiritual way to us they've just been a real blessing and i know it's not like living in that community 
so I, you know, I have that church community that's really ministered to us. And then we have a close community here in that my son, Anthony's family lives right here and have another adult son that lives here. And then our next door neighbors are just the most precious people. Uh, every Friday night, when no one's sick or doing something else, we get together just to eat together. The children play. Sometimes we sing. Um, they're they're just like family. I mean, we can call on them whenever we want. And right after we moved here, I started uh, going to the senior center. That is a great place to get to know old people. Find, and it takes a while till they trust you enough to maybe ask for help sometimes. And that's been wonderful. So. Mm. Sarah, you talked a little bit about your small community. What do you do intentionally to stay connected? Uh, I think so. I mean, some of it has just been being responsive and then also sending out text messages. That's kind of been my life at the moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but a lot of it just goes back to what I've learned about being, not being afraid to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. um, being very blunt with people as far as they're willing to take bluntness. You know, if I'm really going through a hard time, I'm, I'm having some hard times physically or I'm having some hard times mentally, like I'll talk about it. And you sort of have to feel people out on that because sometimes details are not really their strong suit. Um, but sometimes they really want the details. And if you leave it out, they don't see what you need. Um, a lot of it too has just been being willing when I can't do anything physically, being willing to let Joel, <laughs> being willing to let him go out and interact with the, the brothers. I mean, because he needs that too. Mm -hmm. Supporting him in building community builds the community too. Mm -hmm. And that was a hard thing for me to learn because it's like, oh, I want him at home. I need his help. Mm -hmm. But the bigger picture sometimes involves sacrifices that you don't think about. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. One thing that I, I enjoyed doing when I lived back in California was um, I tried to remember little things like, okay, I had a sister who had a miscarriage and I would call her up the day that the baby would have been born every year for several years. And we just checked in and it was really kind of sweet. Um, I mean, not everybody would be open to that, but you find those places where you can touch someone else's heart and that that really opens up channels of communication. And I think it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is real community too, mm -hmm. because those are needs. You know, I have, mm -hmm. I struggle with depression with the rheumatoid arthritis. It's one of the uncomfortable side effects of an autoimmune disorder. And sometimes I worry about overwhelming people, but I have this one friend who also struggles a little bit with anxiety. And so I have, I'll talk to her and she's, She's up at midnight, just like me. <laughs> so sometimes we have these small conversations at midnight, you know. Judy's another one, you know. But hey, when you need help, you need help. And, and people like that are just so special. Rebecca, what's community look like for you? Well, we do a lot of things. We have a community and we do stay in touch, even though maybe someone has kind of moved away from the church or or because of the lockdown, you know, we haven't been able to meet the, what we have a pretty strict lockdown here, but we still try to keep in touch and stuff like that. 
before the lockdown, we would do stuff together quite a lot. And could, it could be ordinary stuff, like we go grocery shopping together and, you know, hitch a ride in each other's cars awesome. and things like that. Yeah, it is actually. It's like a highlight of the week. So I have to get up early. <laughs> I'm Are a you bit a little more a, introverted? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd rather like I don't know being with people just tires me out and I need alone time so I've always been the kind of person to be like I don't think I actually need a community <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been the kind of person who would rather just you know even even just like I, I used to think do we really need church <laughs> mm. Because we could, mm-hmm. I could stay home and study theology by myself. I, I don't need to. <laughs> that's that's kind of a problem with introverted people, but they get their their space filled up with that type of thing. Yeah, um, it's it it it's a challenge and it's tiring, but it's also rewarding. I just need, mm-hmm. I just need to rest afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one thing that I love is being uh, is having friendships with people of all ages, and I think that's something that is often missed out uh, nowadays, especially young people or the differences between I know young people and boomers or whatever is that they don't have <laughs> intergenerational friendships quite enough, and I mm-hmm. love having intergenerational mm-hmm. friendships. In fact, my mom complains that all my friends are old. <laughs> Help. Oh, help. Yeah, what's she saying about us, huh? Something else that I think that really fosters community um, that we do is our sharing time in church. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it's always everybody's saying everything, but it's just a time when people say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with, or this happened to me this week. Um, And I think that makes such a big difference in staying connected and I guess you wouldn't have to have that in a sharing time. We also have the sharing time at our church. And frankly, for many of us, that turns often turns out to be um, the time that we all uh, experience or, or we walk away from going, ah, that ministered to my soul so deeply. Um, You know, it wasn't a lot of times it's sometimes there's testimonies that are very instructional, but sometimes it's just us bearing our souls to one another and and the, the the sense of 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 togetherness of being in the journey in the struggle in the in in living together um it's it's empowering it's really really empowering and it's it's something that i i love that our congregation does um our i the church i um my church family is pretty large and so um and it's been growing and so it's been hard to feel deeply connected to everybody in the congregation and that's been I I don't know that's important to me and um, we also do like Abby mentioned the you know the the regular fellowship meals and um, special Sunday evening activities together at the park and things like that which are which are good but still to get around and you know actually connect with everybody is hard one thing that um, one thing that, that I've done in the last couple of years is um, formed a kind of informal small group um, of some of a variety of ages. Rebecca, I'm like you. I, I can learn so much from younger people, older people, not just people my age. And so um, there's a, 
there's a group of us that get together regularly just to share our hearts and our, and our, you know, what we're learning, what we're dealing with, what we're facing. And that has been um, a really good thing. Now that the danger of that is that, you know, and we, we're trying to guard against this, that we can become kind of maybe a clique and exclusive. And, um, and so we're all quite intentional about like, this is not the only people that we do things with. But these are the ones who um, maybe see the deepest part of me that I intentionally um, go deep with in the larger congregation. And so that's been really um, helpful for, for me um, being in a larger church family. All right. Well, this has been, um, I don't know, it's been good to hear from each of you, your, your thoughts, your experiences. Um, I think we all recognize the necessity, the value of community. Um, scripture instructs us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but um, community is more than, like someone pointed out, more than just gathering on a Sunday morning for service, but it's actually a, a doing walking, doing life together, and so it's just good to hear, hear your thoughts on that. Let's wrap up this episode with um, some trivia again. Shall we do that? Mm -hmm. um, so... If you were getting together with the people you do life with, um, and we kind of have this, we talk about this conversational sitting around a coffee table together. So if you were sitting at a coffee table with me doing community with me, what would be in your mug? Coffee. <laughs> Just black, black Rosanna, black coffee? I, I must, I know, I know who takes what. <laughs> so most of us just had coffee with a little milk in somebody wants um, sugar and but some, yours would be black mine would be either black or would have a little bit of milk in mm -hmm. i don't do creamer much not that i don't like it but i just yeah what would you have in your mug sarah well these days it depends on the time of day but i either have like i had res red raspberry leaf tea i live off of that stuff right now mm -hmm. um but i have been on this kick of chocolate hazelnut coffee and like once a day my one <laughs> cup of coffee I'm like yes I will have chocolate hazelnut coffee and my kids try to get some and it's like no this has caffeine except for I just really just want it all to myself <laughs> <laughs> you might have to um share the share your little uh recipe with us after after we're done here Gwen what's in your mug you're muted Gwen you're muted I am, and am I am I coming through all right? Yeah, you're coming through great. Okay, um, yeah. Well, it it would be if if I have chocolate, it's black coffee. If not, I'll put in some cream and stevia. <laughs> but definitely, Happy, coffee, what do you drink? Not tea. <laughs> not tea for you ever. No, yeah. I'll drink it sometimes, but it's not my choice. Okay, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Abby, Abby, what are you drinking in your mug? I don't want to say what are you uh, drinking. That sounds kind of bad. Kombucha. <laughs> uh, no. Kombucha. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. No, it's probably going to be coffee and creamer. Unless I'm at a coffee shop or something, then I get a frappe or something ah. like that. How about you? How about you, Rebecca? What's in your mug? Um, I can't take caffeine. It it keeps me up all night, just a little bit. So I usually, most of the time, I just have cold milk. Yum! Not I love chocolate. Milk. Chocolate milk. 
Possibly, but more likely than not, it's just milk. Okay. Okay. Well, I've got, because it's summertime, I've got iced coffee in my mug mm -hmm. and it's sweetened with maple syrup because I live in Northern Indiana where there's lots of maple syrup. So wow. um, if it was winter, it would be hot, but in summer it's iced. So that's what's in my mug. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for the third episode of Kingdom Women Podcast and we'll see you in two weeks. Hey, everybody.